Hey, sis! From coast to coast, we're bridging the gap between the cisgender and transgender community, creating meaningful dialogue and space to learn and grow. Join us as we connect with our community, break down tough conversations, and get comfortable being better humans. On HASIS, we've had the great honor of talking to small queer business owners across the globe about their unique experiences navigating the world of business. However, one barrier continues to present itself and pose a challenge to queer businesses, finances. According to the 2020 EGAL Canada study, Impact of COVID-19, Canada's LGBTQI2S community in focus, 53% of 2SLGBTQ plus Canadians are not confident in their current financial situation and their ability to find another job if necessary, compared to 40% of overall Canadians. And more than half of queer households were affected by layoffs and reduced hours as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, compared to 39% of non-queer respondents. To explore financial barriers posing a challenge to queer businesses and how connecting with community is impacting this, we are joined by Marriott Jabril, Regional Manager of LGBTQ2 Business Development at TD Bank Group. Marriott advocates for diversity, equity, and inclusion. As a Black queer influencer in her field and in the community, Marriott has a passion for creating success for business owners and the community at large. Her advocacy means using the lens of intersectionality for a just and equitable society while amplifying voices, listening, and serving the needs of diverse groups, Black, Indigenous, people of color, the 2SLGBTQ community, youths, women, and non-binary, and persons with disabilities. Whew. Welcome to Hey Sis Marriott. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much and good morning. It's so great to have you here. And um, why don't we kick it off where, um, by if you could share with us where you're currently residing and where you call home. Yeah, I'm currently here in Vancouver and I call Vancouver home. And, you know, I also want to acknowledge the ancestral land that I call home and give, you know, all the pleasure and honors to it. And I'm just grateful to be in this beautiful province. Like Canada as a whole is beautiful. And I think I couldn't be any more Canadian since I left England in 2014. And I've lived in three different provinces now. I lived in Alberta and then Ontario. And I'm now here in BC. And I think this is my, you know, as we say, and sometimes we don't want to hear it, I think it's my final bus stop. I'm loving it. <laughs> Love that. It's stunning over there. It is, yes. I think this yeah. time of year, too, you get past that um, extended gray period, right? That like it's kind of December to the end of January. I think it can be very gray. And then it's spring all of a sudden. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I know you're from, I know you're talking from, you're speaking from Halifax, if I'm correct. And that is sort of a place that I love. It's a place that is in my heart as well. And um, I remember doing my MBA and I had to go to Halifax for my leadership training. And I didn't feel like coming back because I, as a Pakistarian, there was so many seafood I could explore and just enjoy and walk through the Abo. And it's really stunning there as well. It is. It's amazing how different the two coasts of, of Canada are, the West and the East. Yeah. And um, we also work up in the Yukon. And I'm wondering if maybe you can highlight some of the unique aspects of, of working up in the Great White North. Yeah, of course. I, I've had a great privilege to actually visit um, Yukon during the Pride season last year, um, where we had, um, you know, colleague and client um, activation and just 
create awareness in the community. And I was really very impressed to see the work that has been done in the community in terms of, you know, creating that awareness and that acceptance from even, um, you know, um, older generations. And I was in the, I was in the bank, in the, in the branch, you know, talking to um, clients and just kind of like communicating with my colleagues. And I could see how far Canada as a whole has become a leader when it comes to, you know, um, towards LGBTQ+. And that just makes me really proud. I, I had a mixed feeling when I was traveling to to Yukon, you know, as you as 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 a human, you hear people say different things like, "Oh, you know, the river place are not accepting as much as the urban." But I I think that wasn't true. I was able to speak to a lot of people. You know, they were very interested in the parade. They wanted to join in, and I just felt like you know there is a a huge progress here in Canada. You know, in comparison to other countries, or so someone like me that I've lived in different countries. And, you know, I don't think I can walk proudly on the street of my own country, Nigeria, and, and say to us LGBTQ+, when I've been in danger. So it's, I, w- I was proud to say that. Yeah, I think people would be really surprised to how to us LGBTQ individuals in small communities can come together. Like I had a an old roommate, she was up here in Halifax, and then she moved to uh, Iqaluit with her girlfriend. And they have like a full household of queer people people up in the great white north so it's it's kind of interesting to see how how much camaraderie is is there so and i think it also shows you know um when you lead with love and you sort of like i think there's this acceptance that is in the great white north area that you know everyone is just so warm and welcoming and then so we shouldn't, as advocates, shy away from our responsibility to create that awareness. Sometimes the the huddle could be in um, assumptions rather than taking a lead and feel, no, I shouldn't go there because they probably will be very discriminatory with the community. But I think as an advocate, you should go into the urban and the rural areas and continue amplifying, creating that brand. And I'm really very proud for the organization I work with that they were able to support me to do that. And, you know, that's why I chose TD. And um, I mean, when I joined in, I was, you know, very surprised to see an organization that had so much, um, you know, um, vision and passion um, to create awareness and also to create support. And then my unique role speaks for it. There's no other um, financial institution that has a role like my regional manager for a segment, right? So it just shows the diverse and um, true intention in, um, you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, within TV. Yeah, absolutely. And just continuing on that note, um, in your role in particular, um, what do you see are the biggest barriers for trans and non-binary people, um, in particular with the communities that you do connect, noting that you're on the West Coast, in regards to accessing financial security? That's a good question. Um, We all know that trans people are particularly vulnerable to human rights violations, right? When they're name and sex details and official documents are often suspected as fraud. They feel like their official documents does not match their gender identity or expression, which should be a simple administrative process and it shouldn't be um, an issue at all. So I take really great interest in going to branches and then I'm really very proud with TV, um, making sure that we are respectful to every individual not a label, not to put any label on, and affirm gender identity, name and pronouns, and continue to do that by training colleagues and having conversation about it. And it's just about just 
treating everybody with respect, right? It's really very highly important that we conduct business that way. And then, you know, just kind of affirm on pronouns and, you know, um, respect and gender identity and all of that. So that's what we do. With the systems that TD uses, then um, like with the data intake, there's probably a line. Is there where um, if somebody hasn't done a legal name change, you could put in their preferred name or um, or not their preferred name, but their name and then have a different line where it might be their legal name? Or do you know anything about that? Yes, of course. Like, you know, this is something we pride ourselves in and, you know, that's why we stand as a strong pillar when it comes to diverse segments. We really understand it. And this is the reason why someone like me is a liaison between the community and TD. And that means that it's all about communities, the customers and my colleagues and making sure that everyone is informed, is aware, and we know how to treat and how how to conduct business, put it that way. So we do normally accept that, you know, we will, uh, with respect, put the name onto the legal name and everything, what they choose to be called. We're happy. I think I'm a good testament to that. You know, when I joined TD, and I remember joining TD with Alison Lennon, and I was really very, I have a story to that name. It wasn't a name that was I was bettered with. It was a name that was given to me prior to marriage, and I, I was in a vulnerable state at that time. And, and when I didn't feel like I should be called Alison Lennon because it's not my birth name, I remember um, having my employment when I was hired, the first thing I told TD was like, I don't want to be called Alison. I want to be called my birth name, Marriott. And TD was like, okay, fine. We're, we're happy with that. We'll call you Marriott. And there wasn't anything like, oh, go bring a document here, show me why you're married and things like that. Yeah. And I just felt so respected and I felt so good about that. So if that's, for, we treat every individual with respect, no matter who you are, colleagues or customers. So we do that, if just to answer that. And I do understand the anxiety and emotional distress that can be prevalent, you know, for transgender people. And the reason that TD take that natural and best approach to treat everyone with respect. Well, I think it's a really good point that you make is that a lot of times when we talk about name changes or forms, we hyper-focus on trans and non-binary individuals because typically, you know, us as a community, we're the ones advocating the most for that. But it's also extremely applicable to cis straight individuals like people, someone named Robert that prefers to go by Bob or exactly in your case. And I just wanted to give kind of a little story because I think this is interesting and also kind of a a clap for TD. But uh, I remember, oh goodness, it was probably two or three years ago when I was looking for life insurance and I was filling out bazillion different forms and such going through every website humanly possible. And TD was the only insurance company that I that I went through that when the the page came up to give your sex assigned at birth, TD had sex is assigned at birth and then what why exactly they needed that and then the definition of what sex assigned at birth meant. Everything else just had gender. Because for myself as a trans individual, I would go through these processes and I'd be like, okay, it's asking my gender, like does it want like what's it asking? What's it really asking me? Which is tricky because I was talking to someone and they said, you know, there's there's a risk if the information that you put on these insurance documents if something were to happen to you and they don't align, like that mm-hmm. can be a big issue and if you're not around to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that that puts other folks kind of at risk to having to deal with that. So, I thought that was really fantastic and it's really easy to put mm-hmm. on a page <laughs> thank you for uh, thank you for sharing that yes 
Yeah, I love that because I, you know, it's a really simple step for businesses to do if they are asking for something. Like, there's your, there's your leader's tip for the day, right? Like, you yeah. know, you can always put a little line. Here's why we're asking this, or why it's like in my digital signature. It's like wondering why I share my pronouns here in my signature. Click here, you know, if you want to do a little bit of a deeper dive. And you know, on that story too, Isaac, I remember you telling me that story, and uh, it's funny because with our with my youngest, uh, who is transgender, uh, we weren't able to update their SIN number yet because they were born in Ireland. And in Ireland, to change your name, uh, you have to, you might know this, maybe being from the UK, but yeah, you have to go to court. And at the time you had to live as your gender for six years. And and you have to be at least 16. And so we were able to do other changes here in Canada when we moved here, but we couldn't change the SIN number. So that impacted us when we were doing the um, RESPs at TD and we were doing um, the education funds and then their bank account and that. And they didn't miss a beat. But as a parent, I'm always nervous when I have to go in and I have to disclose and I have to say, you know, this is their sex assigned at birth, but this is who they are because I'm always just hypersensitive to see a shift in that person, whether they get uncomfortable, whether they just change the way their tone with me or anything. I get really impacted by that. And they were just, they were so great. They didn't miss a beat. They were obviously, you know, really well-trained and they just made the whole thing really comfortable and affirming, which is nice. I'm really sorry about, you know, that you have to go through all of that. And I'm happy that, you know, TD has been able to make a huge difference because I've heard so many um, stories and um, testimonials to just make me feel proud. And it was also since starting my role is make me feel that I have to go out in the community and continue to do the work that needs to be done without fear. Yeah. Um, because I couldn't, there's so many, so many people um, that can do with a lot more support. And I'm, I'm pleased that, TD as an as a bank as an organization support a lot of um, nonprofit organization across the province so they can continue to do this work within the communities and give support. We're pretty grateful uh, because we're being uh, supported in this particular season by by TD um, through uh, building community and you know that's also why we've been able to do some great elevations with the podcast and we're working this is our first show with I'll give a little shout out to our producer Connor on the back end who are really excited um and that's all through the support of the funding that we received for season three from td so which is which is great and we're going to have a td moment a community moment uh shortly coming up on the show that's amazing <laughs> i feel proud <laughs> yeah you proud as, an, as an ambassador and represented td here so that's really great and pleasing to hear <laughs> We're talking about community a lot. One of my favorite questions to ask people, because I find everyone has such a unique answer to it, but what does community mean to you? I think for me, um, naturally, community means family, right? Um, and in a family, what do you get? You get love, understanding, support, um, assurance, and everything like that. So when you're building a community, um, you're building a huge family, um, where we all come with our differences, but at the end of the day, we're the same because we're all humans and we'll all be respected for our own different, um, um, how would I put this, like 
I, maybe it's um, of a sexual orientation, maybe it's religion or whatsoever. So I'll probably say in a more professional definition, a community is a social unit. And within that community, we have all of the norms and the religion and the values, customs and identities. And having a sense of community unites us and an opportunity for us to connect in, with people and reach our goals or our aspiration. So if you bring that back into the community as a tourist LGBTQ+, there should be love, there should be resources, there should be support, there should be understanding and all of that. And I think when we don't have all of those important elements of a community, then it's not really. So for me, I'm a, I use that word a lot because I always try to make people understand, especially people who are still, um, unfortunately, um, in their own different world and understanding. And I try to always say, you live in a community and in a community, we all have our intersectionality and our intersectionality should be respected and embraced. And when we look at life and look at our humans as we interact with the lens of intersectionalities, it brings us all together. Yeah. Because I might be queer and I'm black and disabled and I speak three different languages or whatever, I could relate with someone who isn't black, maybe who is white or Asian, that is disabled, that's queer, that's whatever. So there's all of that intersectionality there, right? So we can't just be, uh, you know, an island. Like, you know, we are one together and we should come together respectfully and with love. And I think I always preach love because, What's the word meant for love? And love brings out all of the understanding. And I think I'm proud, like, when I see the work that TD does in the community, and when they when we use the word TD-ready commitment, you know, TD-ready commitment is for us to go into the community and support the community and amplify different elements that will bring the community together. You know, either it's cultural, either it's maybe... Um, a non-profit organization that works with trans and giving them resources and all of all of this stuff. Whatever we're doing, we're just kind of spreading around. We do all of the different community work to bring the community together because we think it's really important when we can do that. Yeah. Can I ask, um, I'm just wondering with a, with a unique role that you have in the work you're doing and talking about the intersections of identity um, as being um, a black woman professional and then a member of the, the queer community as well. Do you come across or have you met um, and engaged with a lot of people who are um, members of the queer community who are black as well, as far as, you know, population goes and I'm just wondering, I'd like to explore a little bit about the intersection, you know, and maybe highlight a little bit for people, our listeners, maybe who don't understand how different layers of intersections of our identity can impact marginalization we might experience. Yeah, of course. Um, That's a really fantastic question um, you've just asked me because it's one that people, when you look at our community, the two LGBTQ+, Oftentimes, it's, it's a gay world, right? A gay white man world, and people just yeah. think that's it. And then you look at that, and that's why the acronym keeps changing, because um, it has to be a balanced, fair community. Um, we've got trans, you know, women, we've got trans men, we've got, every, you know, we've got um, I, we've got everything, two, two, um, two spirit. So it's a, it's a built, huge community. So... When I came in this role, I was stunned to find that there was a niche 
of black women, black queer women in the community. And um, I'm now currently the chair, the board chair for um, Black Black Girl Collective. Black Girl Collective is a non-profit organization dedicated for self-identifying Black, cisgender, transgender, um, to a LGBTQ, uh, all different um, diverse segments. I was really surprised because, like, sometimes you feel you're alone when you're really not. Yeah. And, and that just was so kind of refreshing for me to see. And they do so many programs and engage financial literacy, um, you know, lots of impactful programs in the community. Um, so, yes, to answer your questions, um, there is a community of Black queer women here in D.C., not just Vancouver. And um, it's just kind of, like I said, refreshing to to see that. And um, I'm really playing a big part of that because it's something that I could identify with. And I want to be there as not just um, representing TD, but as someone who could be a sort of like a resource and um, go-to person to support the organization. Going back to your definition of, of community, you mentioned a lot about building resources and building systems in place to help support people in the community. And without, you know, people like yourself and the initiatives that you're helping and striving towards, we're able to support more individuals who are are Black and maybe are trying to come out or are unsure how to come out. Um, and creating those safe spaces for those people to do to do so is is vital. I know you can't speak for an entire community. And then within the black community, there's so many different intersections of geography. Like if you're born in Canada or you've come to Canada from a different region or have grown up in a, in a region such as, you know, our, um, our African Nova Scotian population, which is, um, very large here in, in Nova Scotia, but would it, the intersections of color of being black make it more difficult for someone to come out because of the culture? Definitely. <laughs> that I have to even put a laugh on that because it could be very um overwhelming at times. Um and then finding that balance, you know, within your own community accepting you for who you are and not being judgmental or wanna tell you how you should live your life. And this is really critical because I'm a big advocate when it comes to mental health. Within the black community, it's really very difficult because it's overly religious community where we pray over everything and we hope over everything through prayers and we think like you have to be in a certain way. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of education and creating awareness has to happen mm-hmm. within those communities and um, organizations like TD. And that's why I'm supporting uh, Black Girls Collective because we can create that impact and see all that joy of cisgender and strength gender having fun together and everybody just happy doing what they want to do. And just saying that is making an impact because other Blacks in the community are seeing what's going on and that way they can start coming out into understanding and we just kind of create educational programs that would just kind of, you know, make that awareness, not in a, in a forceful way, but in a more... Yeah understanding way what we do we do it through mental health understanding mm-hmm. i have three kids i have three children they're growing up i can't tell my child i just i just literally don't understand i can't tell my child how to act how to be and who to be uh, because i think then what am i doing i'm kind of like locking them up and if i keep doing that what's going to happen they're going to go into stress depression and all that kind of stuff and then 
you know, mental health start going to the increase. So we have to look ourselves inwards on what actions we're taking and how we're supporting each other in being our authentic self and just live yeah. freely and happily. Hey sis is all about connecting communities and thanks to support from TD Bank Group, here's this episode's Connected Community Moment. Across Canada, February is a time to celebrate Black history. And here at HeySys, we're celebrating with a queer lens. Our friends at PFLight Canada are currently running a social media series for the month of February, highlighting Black queer voices throughout history. And these individuals are great to know if you're an educator, a history buff, or simply interested in expanding your knowledge of game changers and advocates within the queer Black community. One individual in particular that uh, I looked up online was uh, Raven Wings. I hope I'm saying that correctly, but they were in 2021 recognized as a top 25 women of influence and they identify as queer, two-spirit, transcendent. She is the founder of Toronto-based Nana Diversity Dance Company, which was created to create a safe space for Black queer artists after facing a lot of racism and homophobia as an artist herself. We can put some links in the show notes, but uh, Marriott, uh, thinking along that lines, do you have anyone that might jump out to you this month that you'd like to share? Yes, thank you so much for asking. I'd like to share um, Dr. Um, Shamira Rahim. Um, Rahim, she's a chiropractor and, um, you know, she is based here in Vancouver and she's just been an awesome part of the community and she is helping the community in terms of long-term awareness, prevention, in terms of um, sustainable health for everybody. Thank you for sharing that. This has been a HeySys and TD Bank Group Connected Communities moment because inclusion matters. I was reading um, an article recently, Isaac and Marriott, uh, and it was a woman here who uh, is quite busy advocating for um, Black professional women in our community. Uh, her name is Tia, and she did an interview. It was in a, a credit union magazine, and she was talking about within um, the Black women culture, growing up, nobody would talk about mental health. Nobody would talk about, you know, uh, if we were, if they were struggling and that in their households, I think the word was if, if, if we were, if we did complain, uh, we would be called extra. We're being so extra as a negative. And so people would just kind of be quiet and kind of be strong and kind of, you know, like hide what they were going through. And I, I was wondering, have you ever heard that term before? Um, Within, is that your... I've grown up with that term before. <laughs> like I've grown up where you couldn't be who you are. You couldn't come up because of the fear of like, am I going to tell my parents what they're going to do to me? I'm going to be disowned. I'm going to be the. You know what the what the um consequences of your actions and your happiness going to be, and then you just pretend all your life to probably about maybe in your twenties or whatever when you have the guts to say, you know what. I have to be free. I have to be who I want to be. And most times in the black community, when you start earning some money, you can independently be on your own because you know if you come out under that setting age, you'll be thrown out and disowned. And just that fear of being disowned also is a is a kind of like it causes a lot of mental health issues as well that we don't talk yeah. about. And yet in the black community, it always feels like you've got to be strong. You've got to not do this. You've got to not do that, you know. We were brought up to it even with the fact that when I'm speaking to you, I'm looking in your eyes. I shouldn't be. I should take my eyes away. I shouldn't look straight in your eyes. And there is always that misunderstanding when we when people relate and say there's a black individual and relating with someone else and say, why are you 
but I don't believe you because you're not staring at me, right? So there's so mm. many things that we were brought up with that isn't right. But when you look back and you go back to this to the beginning, how does this history all started? It goes back into colonialism, right? So yes, it, goes, yeah. it goes back into slavery. It goes back to feeling inferior and feeling small. And then, you know, it goes back into fear and which has been part of the Black history inter- intergenerational trauma. So when we talk about the Black community and we look at it in a, you know, um, into the two as LGBTQ plus community, I'm very sometimes very sensitive with them in regards to how I I talk and help them out because I have a lot of youths who want to come out and they talk to me within Vancouver and they're just so excited and they come to me as their mentor and say, hey, I haven't told my parents, I feel this, you know, or my mom is dead to me, my father is dead to me, they don't want me to be who I want. So I feel like I have so many children in Vancouver that I have to help, I'm like their emotional mother mm. in terms mm. of being sure mentally they're stable and that's just my intention once i can get them mentally stable and i can get them into the right um organization nonprofit to support them i feel job accomplished right part of my role that i have to go into the community create an awareness you know apart from my core business role which is business development there's so many other facets of it that is critical and important. So you're right about the Black community. I've heard that before. I've lived that experience and I know how it feels and I'm hoping that I can get anyone who is feeling or living that experience to understand you first, not in a selfish way, but for your mental health and for your freedom and for your happiness. Because people will eventually understand. So you can't cage yourself because of how people feel about you. You have to be who you are and then people see you for your authentic self rather than yeah. being in a cage. Yeah, and that's vital. And I was just curious too, in particular with with the Black community, do you find that a lot of the barriers that in particular have been enforced on you and many other individuals in the community, especially in terms of religion, do you find that they're improving over time as we're becoming more aware of mental health and the role that religion and colonialism and topics such as that have played on on marginalization or what's what's kind of your perspective there so like me grew up with a i was born a muslim and my mom was a christian she was catholic and my dad was a staunch muslim but my dad was one of those liberal men i've ever met in my entire life i sometimes one of my regrets is that i didn't tell him about me completely before he passed away because i would wanted to see what his reaction would be because my dad was very liberal and understanding and i think it comes to his roots being a police officer and then went into the chief inspector of police and went into secret service. So my dad was really very understanding. But in the community, I'm seeing a lot of progress, you know, um, take back to my own country, Nigeria. I usually tell them when I'm talking about religion that look at all the terrible things happening in the country and how a country has all of these natural resources and still struggling and feeling like a third world country. But uh, we have all of these amazing resources. But we have more churches in Nigeria than the whole world put together. And then I don't get it. Like, why is it focused on the religious aspect? So, but if you look at it now, I'm from Nigeria, but look at me, my own thinking is different. And a lot of people I speak to, you know, in the community, either in Canada or in the US or in Nigeria, people are coming out of that. People are beginning to understand that the best religion I can have is love and kindness. It's not a religion that you want me to be. I've been in this faction. And this is a country or African 
um, generally, they didn't know Christianity until it was brought in by the colonial masters. No one yeah. knew what Christianity was, but they practiced it even more and in a rigid and strict way than any other countries I would do. So it's kind of like a little bit um, ironical in a way. The sad thing and that breaks my heart is when towards LGBTQ plus community are looked in a certain way and their life are in danger or even killed. And that's really just happening. So there's so much work to be done, but I've seen a lot of progress that people are understanding and supportive and people have an awareness. But I think the most, the, the only critical thing is the mindset of different people, individuals are clouded with this religion aspect that God said, don't do this, God said, don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than human rights and allowing people. But I know, having read the Quran and the Bible myself, I know there's one thing that God said more in the Bible and in the Quran, and it's love. Mm-hmm. Love, 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 love. So I, my question is, why are you judging when in the Bible, in the Quran, it has been mentioned, don't judge, just go love. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think we can love and we can lead with love and we can lead with love. It's just like being a leader in any corporate organization. You've got to have empathy. If you can lead with empathy, then you can never be a leader. So true. So Yeah, true. absolutely. And and it's fragile. It, I mean, all the progress that we are making and recognizing that it is fragile when you see what's happening south of the border and, and you know, trans rights being pushed back there. And, and I think that's why, you know, when you spoke as well about the importance of allyship too and, and standing up and, and, and having all these conversations and keeping them going because because progress, you know, it, it is fragile. You know, to keep it moving, we have to all keep working. I like that phrase, progress is fragile, because if we stop working, then we go back to where we started, even worse than where we started. So we have to keep going forward Mm -hmm. and we need organizations to look like great organizations like TD and what we're doing and, you know, you know, all all hands on deck and do more. I mean, I'm proud to work for TD and I hear people say, you know, I go to TD and I was treated with so much respect. I get clients come back to me and say, oh my God, the first thing they ask me, oh, how do you want me? What's your pronoun? Because they want to respect me. And that makes me feel so really happy that, you know, I give credit to my colleagues in the branch. Like they're doing amazing and amazing job because, you know, the customer facing is a really important because your body language your expression and you respect people that's very important and i and i see my colleagues just killing it and just doing an amazing job and i'm just so proud of them Do you have maybe two top tips for individuals currently working in financial uh, institutions who are looking to create safer spaces for 2SLGBTQ plus clients? I mean, I think the, the most important thing is that inclusion should be intentional, right? This means understanding and embracing the concept of inclusion and just giving that respect because like my role, like say people who work in a financial institution, I work in a financial institution as a regional manager. Um, towards LGBTQ+, and just the same as the financial planners. Your very first opportunity to speak to Cynthia or to speak to anybody, that is the most critical. I always believe that the first impression is the last, right? So how I respect and how I ask those questions, you know, I can't place and be assuming. So my advice is that inclusion should always be intentional. And it shouldn't be more about, I have to do this. 
let your um, conversation be organic and mm-hmm. um, get to learn more about and allow people to speak and learn more about them. That way we can close the gap of all of those financial um, needs from the from the clients. Um, because if you don't have an organic conversation and understand what the person in front of you want, you can really give them an answer or give them the service or product that they deserve. So, But also be honest about our own vulnerability. Yeah. So sometimes you go in front of people and they're vulnerable that you're in front of them. Be honest. So they have to also learn more about their own vulnerability and seek resources and be able to point out where... Um, members of the tours LGBTQ plus can get resources from and again that's the unique side of my role where I'm like a thought party and the liaison between TV and the tours LGBTQ plus community. Um, I see myself as a product um, because I can always I, I do that all the time you know direct clients into information or resources that they need apart from their financial matters that's critical within the community. Um, I have a lot of you know, trans clients will come to me and say, oh, do you know who I can go to for this? And I'll be like, okay, community can help you because community um, yeah. is a DC queer, you know, trans resource and go there and they can, and I know the people who work there and they work there with passion and with all their, you know, all good intent to make sure that they reach gaps in the community. Um, and I also think it's important that we debunk the misconception about the tourist LGBTQ plus community and continue to promote awareness. I think to to kind of very quickly summarize it, all the amazing stuff you just said, it's it's really going in with intent and not making assumptions or jumping to conclusions, asking questions, coming in with an open mind. Because I know there's been certainly certain situations for myself as a, as a trans person. I walk into a room, as soon as people know I'm trans, they assume what I struggle with. They assume, you know, how I'm going to react to certain situations. It's It, it can be frustrating because you know, each individual trans person, each individual queer person has different experiences and different needs. So making sure you're meeting folks where they're at is, is vital. And that's why the conversation should be about active listening to make sure Absolutely. that and non-judgmental and not assuming, as you mentioned, um, yeah. and um, treat everybody um, with respect and individuals. Every individual is different, like you mentioned, right? Just because someone is trans or bi doesn't mean that your assumption of the bi community is the reason why they're in front of mm-hmm. you. Uh, or maybe, oh, they must be trans or they don't have money or they don't have yeah. a job. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> um, I think and that's why I said we have to debunk. I think the, the best tip there is debunk. Someone is just debunk all that misconception yeah. and go out there to promote awareness. Absolutely. So, uh, Marriott, maybe you can um, you can explain a little bit to us um, why in why in your opinion is it so uh, important uh, for members of the queer community to have equitable access to financial institutions and and what would you say is at stake? Um, thank you, um, Cynthia, for that. So, I like the word equitable because I'm a, I'm very passionate, as you know, advocate for DNI, which diversity, um, inclusion, and equity. And I think um, in that aspect, when you read my bio, you, you knew that I work with um, a group, a lot of diverse segments and that includes the tourist LGBTQ plus community um, passionately. And with my knowledge of the financial products and services, especially after the, you know, Tomosha's, um last three years of the pandemic, 
we know that the towards LGBTQ plus community was really hit a lot. And we also know that, you know, we, we can't hide the fact that there's a lot of discrimination in the community and um, there's a lot of progress, but, you know, and that's why organizations like TD have my role where I, I, I help bridge those gaps in their financial aspect, whether it's personal or it's always business, so that we can come to a place of equity and everybody has that financial confidence and literacy that they deserve. And I think it's important in the society as a whole that everyone should have an, you know, an equitable access to financial services. If we don't have that equitable access, then we have a huge gap in the community where people don't have money, they don't have jobs, they can't have their daily bills or whatever paid. And I think the towards LGBTQ plus community is just as important as any community. I, I feel like I'm a big supporter when it comes to human rights. And I think human rights is part of financial rights. Um, everyone should be able to afford their needs and needs. And I think it breaks my heart when I see that it's not in an equitable way. There's no equality there. There's always a huge margin, a huge gap. And I think the federal government understands that, the provisional government understands that, and we have all of these provisions and resources to allow people to meet their needs. And I think financial industries should step up, like TD are doing, to create um, you know, opportunities for people, whether they're accessing a loan to start a new business or to go to school or to have a surgery done. You know, People should be able to to be able to assess those financial needs. And I think this is something that we do proudly. And um, I just want to shout it out to the community listening. Like if there's any needs uh, um, or wants that in terms of financial aspect or product or services, we have so many programs and we're really happy to speak to them. And it's all about bridging that gap and creating that financial um, independence and exponential growth. It's important, I, I talk about mental health a lot and we need to understand that it is it becomes detrimental when people have no money and that's that's a trigger to mental health really because I, I just can't imagine people living in any sort of situation where they struggle and the struggles are real and we understand that I, I I have been through so much in my life that I can just imagine someone with no money and how that could look like. We appreciate you you sharing that perspective, though, Marriott. It's definitely a a important one to to always think about and consider. Is that you know there, yes, the two S LGBTQ plus community. There's there's a lot of great, very very successful people within the community, but there also are individuals who who are struggling. But but making sure that we have the resources out there to to hopefully support these people and meet their needs where they're at. Um, is what's going to help us keep the community safe and thriving. Yeah, we, we, like, you know, we talk about the trans community a lot here today. And, you know, I want to hear that out too, whatever support. You should come to TD. We're, we're very more than happy to listen because even within, within TD, within the colleague communities, we have access to all of this stuff that could help, you know, colleagues who want to go through defense you know, benefits needs to do, because it costs a lot, especially in the transport to go do different surgeries and stuff like that, right? And all of those things, you know, financial needs is, a, is important. And I I think when it comes to financial, I think we should all be able to live happily, 
financially independent and you know it's really critical to 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 life you know as much as it is with health right so and um, you you have a good health and sometimes you need the money to buy your meds and things like that and you don't have the money to buy your meds so then there is always just gaps in my job going out to the community I don't go out as a salesperson. I never like to do that. I go out in where is the gap? Where can I help you? And how can I make that help happen? And, you know, to suit your needs and suit your financial strength at that time. And just to also have that, you know, we understand this on the TV front and we're always very eager to actually employ people from the community. Um, it's something that I'm taking really very seriously this year as part of my strategy um, to create that talent acquisition for TD from the 2SRGPTQ plus community. So if there's anyone looking for jobs or things that I don't feel like, you know, I'm from the 2SRGPTQ plus community, maybe the bank might not want to give me a job. No, we're just looking for a lot of people with talent to come join TD. We're always looking for great talents to come join TD. And it doesn't matter about your sexual orientation or your expression or anything else. Well, that's great to know. And um, we can share uh, a link in, in the show notes. So maybe if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn or um, I know you're all over socials and doing <laughs> such a great job at visibility and representation. So we'll put a few of your socials in there in the show notes too, so people can also follow along. Uh, that would be nice. I'm more than happy to help. And this is what my, apart from my everyday job, <laughs> my mm-hmm. other job, I keep telling myself I'm a chief IP officer. So I'm only there to bring sunshine to everyone in every way I can, either it's your financial literacy or if it's helping you to, um, you know, guide you to where you can get support and resources or if it's just even talking, if it's coming out um, there and, you know, just a big supporter of the community. Appreciate that immensely. Well, thank you. Yes, so thank much. you so much for for joining us today and, and having this fantastic conversation with us. We we appreciate it immensely, especially to kind of have the the insider scoop on <laughs> on what's happening with TD, and also I think your role in particular, as you you kind of you kind of mentioned in the beginning, is is very unique. And I think I personally am more and am excited to kind of see more positions similar to yours kind of popping up in other organizations to to help bridge that gap uh, that communities need. So so thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis. The conversation doesn't have to stop here, though. If you would like to get in touch with us to ask us a question or share your story on a future episode, you can email us at connect at simplygoodform.com or visit us on our website at www.heysis.com. 